So Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we want to attend, we want to focus, and we want to receive your word tonight. And so God, we're asking that you take the weakness of my, my flesh, my stumbling lips, Lord, that you'd set all that aside. And God, just you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, take your word and drive it home to our hearts and, and help us not to just see and understand it as truth, but Lord, we want it applied. We want your truth applied to our lives. We don't want to just give mental assent. Lord, we want to live and walk in the reality of your word. And so, Lord, help us tonight uh, for your glory, but Lord, let it all fall out uh, uh, for our good as well, to not just be hearers, but doers. And so, Lord, we ask for this in Jesus' name, amen. So chapter 15 uh, does continue this contrast between the wise and the foolish, and, and so let's pick it up in chapter 15 and verse one. First, we see how the wise and the foolish, the wise and the foolish respond to conflict. Verse one says, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You know, how is it that some people, in every conversation that they get into, they get into a fight? How is that, how, how do they do that? And so let's, you know, the, the, the contrast that we're seeing here is the way we speak, it'll either help resolve or it'll help to provoke conflict, co- you know, to provoke problems. So get this down in your notes. How you speak can help to resolve conflict or it can incite it. You can, you can help to calm people or you can get people wound up for a fight and you can do all of that with your mouth. Uh, you can incite conflict. You can throw gas on a fire that's in danger of burning out of control and there is no better example of that than our textbook, you know, Nabal Abigail. You've got a soft answer and, and grievous words in 1 Samuel chapter 25 and and David's like, hey, you know, help a brother out. We've been taking care of you. Maybe you could return the favor. We're in a bind. And, and Nabal's response is, who is David? 1 Samuel 25, verse 10. And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. I, I, you know, there's a lot of rebels out there. Then shall, shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I've killed from my shears and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? And and the problem is, is Nabal knows exactly who David is. He knows his character. He knows how he's flourished with David in the country. So David's young men return and tattle. And so David tells everyone, Gergi, every man a sword. They're gonna go wipe out Nabal and all of his. And, and so Nabal's young men fill in Abigail. And, and, and so, you know, that man is such a son of Belial. A man cannot speak to him. All he does is give grievous words to stir up anger. And so Abigail hastes, she lights, right? Um, as she falls before David and, and bows herself to the ground. And verse 24 says, she fell at his feet and said, upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be. And then she begins to speak a soft, she gives a soft answer. She admits her husband is a son of Belial. Uh, he's named Nabal for a reason, folly is with him. And, and so she's imploring, she's praying for forgiveness for her family. And so her soft answer turns away David's wrath. And David says as much in verses 32 through uh, 35. So David tells her to go up in peace to her house. He says, I've, I've accepted, right, I've hearkened to thy voice and have accepted thy person. So there's a, 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 just an incredible biblical picture 
of how grievous words can stir up anger. In Nabal's case, it was to his death. In Abigail's case, right, that soft answer turns away wrath. And what does David, this type, this picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, what does he say to her? Uh, go, in, go up in peace to thine own house. His wrath is turned away. You see, again, a great example in Rehoboam taking over for Solomon. The people come to him in 1 Kings chapter 12, and they say, hey, bro, how about a tax break? It's been rough, okay? We would like a tax break. And so Rehoboam says, give me three days. And in, and in 1 Kings 12 and verse six, he talks to the old men and says, how do ye advise that I may answer this people? And they tell him, give a soft answer. Speak peaceably, right? Speak good words to them, and they'll be your servants forever. The Bible says he forsook the counsel of the old men because, you know, there's wisdom with the gray beard, but he doesn't consider it. So look at what he says to the young men. He says, what counsel give ye that we may answer? So with the old men, it's what, what do you think I should say? With the young men, it's what should we say? So where, where, where is he living his life? Well, he's not sitting at the feet of wisdom. He's running with his boys, and you know, they've got their biker clothes on, and they're feeling tough, and and so the young men said, okay, here's how you tell them. This is what you say. Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that say unto thee, saying, my father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now whereas my father did lay you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father ch hath chastened you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. And so, grievous words stir up anger. And so what does Israel say? Who is this dude, right? Israel's response uh, is all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them. So what they said, their reply is, what portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance of the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now see to thine own house. And so Israel departed unto their tents. Grievous words stir up anger. So it's not a resolution of peace, but now it's one of contention and division. Okay, so why do some people always stir up trouble with their mouth. Well, we just we keep seeing this in Proverbs, don't we? Uh, 15, 18 says, a wrathful man stirreth up strife. 29, 22 says, an angry man stirreth up, prife, uh, stirreth up strife. 28, 25 says, he that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. So get this down, Proverbs 13, 10. Only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride cometh contention. And so mark it down, at the root of any spat, anytime anger is generated, well pride is at the root. I mean, why are you always fighting, bro? Well, I'll tell you why, you're full of pride. Well, you don't understand, they offended me, they got me upset. Well, are you at peace with God, the, the word of God, or not? Right, it's great peace have they that love God's law, God's word, and nothing shall offend them. Why do you gotta get wound up all the time? Are you on the winning team or not? If every time you get in trouble with your, well, it's a pride thing. Only by pride cometh contention. At the root of any argument, well, it's somewhere there's pride. So we have to kind of decide up front how we're gonna respond in crisis situations, don't we? Sometimes you gotta rehearse it over and over again in your mind. Uh, I'm, I'm learning how to do this. I've confessed this to you before. Um, you know, if, uh, if, if something you do or say provokes my fight or flight response, it's gonna kinda tend toward fight. 
time I'm wired. And, uh, and, and from time to time, I'll catch myself. I gotta like, okay, I need to, I need to actually rehearse. I need to pre-plan, I need to premeditate a soft answer. Why? Well, because that's wisdom. A soft answer turneth away wrath. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna be stirring up anger with my grievous words. So you just decide up front what kind of man, what kind of woman you're gonna be. Verse number two. This is, uh, this is so good. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge. Look at that next word. Aright. Not all right. Aright. There's a difference, okay? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Aright? No, aright. You use it properly, okay? Do you know what to do with what you know? The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Foolishness, because whatever's in them, that's what comes out of them, right? The mouth of fools, what's gonna come out? Well, of course it's foolishness. The tongue of the wise uses what they know correctly. Do you know what to do with what you know? Do you know how to use what you know? See, knowledge, right knowledge can be used wrongly. Did you know that? You can know right, you can believe right, and you can make a real big mess with that. The tongue of the wise uses what they know in a proper way. They speak truth in a fitting way. So what is said, the way that it's said is important. Proverbs 25 verse 11 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Okay, so someone who knows how to say what should be said, the way it needs to be said, that results in this relationship with God, this, this redemptive process taking place in somebody's life, growing them closer uh, in their relationship with the Lord. A word fitly spoken is a big deal. Now, contrast that with Psalms 59 verse seven. Behold, they belch out with their mouth. <laughs> that is just, that's hilarious. Behold, somebody needs to make a meme of that. Behold! They belch out with their mouth. Sometimes that's what a brother or sister needs. Stop belching out with your mouth. Well, what I'm saying is right. No, it's coming out like knives. Swords are in their lips. For who say they doth hear? You know, sometimes just because you know something doesn't mean you need to say something. Sometimes you don't even need to tell the truth. Well, it's the truth. Speak the truth in love. The truth, right, will make you free. Uh, sometimes you don't need to tell the truth because it's not time to say it. Sometimes you need to know when to keep your mouth shut. Sometimes you need to know when to open your mouth. But above all, you need to know the right way in terms of what you are saying. What you're saying, you need to say it the right way. So Proverbs 12 verse 23 says, a prudent man concealeth knowledge. Sometimes the smart move is it ain't time to say what's true. Uh, this fool, I'm not gonna answer according to his folly or this child in faith is not ready for the strong meat of God's word. In other words, you need to take what you know and you need to speak it in a fit way. Some things are not fit to say. Some people, you know, they just, they don't know how, what they're saying isn't untrue. It's not even technically wrong. They're just not using wisdom with what they're saying or how they're saying it. Is this making sense, brothers and sisters? I'll give you another example. You know, some people, 
they just can't shut up about their life and what's going on in their life. Uh, you'll run into this all the time, especially people who are you know, uh, starting out in ministry maybe, or they're just struggling to apply Bible truth and, and they, they recognize it's spiritual warfare. It's really tough to move forward in faith and, and uh, they're, they're, they're looking at their life and, and here you are, a, a compassionate, concerned, loving brother or sister in Christ, and then they just barf on you for three hours straight it's like, oh my goodness, you, you, you just can't stop talking. Has that ever happened to you? And they're just like going on and on about who they are and what they're doing. And there's, I mean, just, it's like they're, they're, they're like psychic vampires just sucking the life out of you. And your eyes glazed over 30 minutes ago. And they don't even realize that you're having a tough time staying awake, much less concentrate on what they're saying. And then you wouldn't believe. And it was just like, and then now it happened next. And it's just going on about me, 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 me. And this is going and everything that they're saying is true and it's accurate, but it's not fitly spoken. And they're belching with their mouth. And uh, man, it would be so much better if they could just listen to what God has from them through the Ephesians 4 structure of their brothers and sisters in Christ. Now a lot of people, they just need to be affirmed. Hey bro, you're on the right track. Hey sis, keep moving forward in faith. Uh, but it is a mark of immaturity, okay? Just recognize that. It's not an expression of wisdom. It, at best case, it's a, it's a place of immaturity. And so if that's you, man, anytime I get somebody listening, I just abuse them and I hold them hostage with my mouth in a, in a conversation for every one word that they say. I'm determined I will say 10,000. You need to stop that, okay? It's time to grow up. Uh, yeah, you've got a lot to say and there's a lot going on in your life. Some things just conceal Trust the Lord for that open door to be able to share your burden in a way that it will be received. And, 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 and yeah, mature brothers and sisters are more primed to receive the burden that you share, but man, come on. Before you start in the diatribe, stop, think. I wanna open my mouth, I wanna say this. Stop, think. Is what is about to come out of my mouth, is it to edification? In other words, does what I'm about to say edify? Am I building up my brother or sister in Christ or am I abusing them with what I know? Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Well, okay, then what is good to come out of my mouth? Well, that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Is what I'm saying to you gonna build you up in your faith? Is it gonna help you to see and, and partake of the grace of God or am I just pummeling you <laughs> with this conversation. Um, so, you know, knowing what to say, how to say, that's important, but when to speak, right? There are some who conceal knowledge and the Bible congratulates that. Proverbs 50, 15, verse 23, when to speak, truth is important. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. Now watch this, a word spoken in due season the right word at the right time, how good it is. You know, you can say the right thing at the wrong time, can't you? Some people, I mean, Jack Nicholson and a, good for, and a few good men, he had it right. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Everybody's watched A Few Good Men, right? How many haven't watched A Few Good Men? Yeah, see, it's a dated, yeah. The problem is, is you know, it's, it's, it's tough. The movies I saw, you know, three months ago, I don't remember them. But the ones I saw in my 20s and early 30s, I remember them. I, it's not a good sign. 
But this is why people get stuck using all the old examples. Okay, in A Few Good Men, here's a guy who's doing some shady business in the US military, but he thinks he's doing it all for the right reason. And so Tom, Tom Cruise's character, I don't remember his name, but he's gotta get this guy to reveal, and that's like the whole pivot in the whole movie, is this guy wants to, he wants to brag about what he's doing and why he's doing it. And so he's provoking him on the stand and he's like, you know, he's just, he, he's screaming at him to tell the truth and Jack Nicholson screams back at him, you don't want the truth, you can't handle the truth. And then he incriminates himself because he doesn't care and you know, bleh, the whole thing comes out. Uh, how did I get on that? Yeah, you, what you're saying is actually true but it's not time to say it. Okay, so. So, the witness stand, <laughs> you might not want to agree. No, that's not my point with that. Okay, so, you've got some people, they're going through life, and they're, they're a babe in Christ. And you've got truth, you've got information that they really need, but they're not ready, they're not primed to hear it. Um, it's like, um, let's say I weigh 450 pounds, okay? I'm gonna offend somebody, Lord help me. Okay, let's say I weigh 450 pounds and, and, uh, and I'm just whining and feeling sorry for myself, but, but you sense that I might actually take up good diet and exercise. Um, you know, and again, you just gotta like, be sensitive to what a person needs at the time that you're interacting with them. One thing would be to encourage them to move forward in faith and to, I mean, to actually do the things that will produce the outcome that will be beneficial to them. It could be a time where you could speak a word, a fit word in due season, or you, know, you don't recognize they're on the edge of you know, self-loathing, self-incrimination, and they're, they're, they're pursuing their identity as a victim, and, and what you choose to do in that moment is to say, you know what, you sorry, you're, you sorry, outf- you sorry excuse for a human being, your God is your belly, and you can't say no to your belly God, and maybe all of that is accurate, but they're not ready to receive that, right? They're not in a place where that's gonna, is that ministering grace to them? Is that edifying them, right? Is that, I mean, they have no control, they have no self-control, they're not manifesting some fruit of the Spirit. You know, you can say, you can say hard things in positive ways, right? Sounds like, brother, sounds like sister, um, your, your prayer request is you want, you want the, the fruit of the Spirit manifested in your life. This is really, you're, you're seeking to be able to live out self-control. And so, man, I'm, I want you to know, I'm rooting for you, I'm praying for you. Let's trust God for that fruit to be manifest in your life. In other words, you can destroy someone with something that's technically true, or you can build people up. Are you saying what needs to be said the way it needs to be said, when it needs to be said. There are, I mean, man, there are some things that I just don't discuss with babes in Christ. They're not ready to receive it. They're not, like, what do they, they need to know about their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a reason why, there's a reason why in discipleship one, we don't break down Genesis chapter nine. There's no need for that. It's not time for that. Is everybody with me? Okay, so. Uh, uh, when to speak it is very important. important. Verse number three, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. So God sees everything and that'll either be comfort or terror whenever you realize that. Proverbs 5.21 says the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he pondereth all 
his goings. Job 34, verse 21, his eyes are upon the ways of man. He seeth all his goings. Hebrews 4, verse 13, every creature, right, is manifest in his sight. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto him, right, unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So God sees and he hears it all. There's nothing that's hidden. Every curse, every lie, every gossip, every murmur, every sin, you, you know, the reason that we sin is because we think no one sees it, no one notices, or we're alone, and that's why we do what we do. Uh, some of the things that you've done this week, you would never think about doing in this prayer meeting. Why, because there's accountability here. We're all here, aren't we? Um, I, you know, we're, our attendance is really low, but I'll bet you there's a booger eater in this room. That's so, sorry, that was gross. Brent's like, Brent's back there guess, grimacing. He's like, why do I go to this church? <laughs> I love you, brother. Okay, like that's disgusting. Oh, you, you get it, it's shocking. There's a booger eater. Nobody would do that. I'll, I'll confess it, okay? All little kids eat boogers. And it wasn't until I met other little kids that I learned not to eat mine. You know how I learned to quit eating boogers? Little kids love, you just see them. I mean, just, I mean, they're priming the pomp and I mean, it's just like this all day long until that first kid sees it and they're like, ew. Okay, what is that? That is accountability. (laughs) That's what that is. And then you learn not to do that nasty stuff anymore because it grosses everyone out. And then over time you realize, you know what, that is gross, I don't wanna live that way. And pretty soon, next thing you know, you're not, not only are you not a booger eater, but you're schooling another three-year-old. <laughs> Ew, what, you know, I mean, that's accountability. If you knew that the eyes of the Lord were in every place, beholding the evil and the good, if you really believe that, man, that's accountability in your walk, that's accountability in your life. There's a lot of stuff you won't surf on the web anymore. There's a lot of stuff that you won't do anymore. There's a lot of things that you won't say anymore to a willing participant, because God hears it, God sees it. Matthew 12, verse 36 says, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. And none of this is beyond his capacity. In Matthew 10, 30, you find out he is the God who numbers our hairs, y'all. And you are always losing hair. The count is always changing. He knows exactly how many hairs are on your head. He has that much capacity. Don't think for a second anything escapes his notice. He's not blind or sleeping, Psalms 121, verse four. He sees it all, he hears it all, the evil and the good. You sin because you don't believe that. You do what you wanna do the way you wanna do it because you don't believe God's watching. And you fail, you fail when you're not excited about the fact that God is intimately interested in the details of your life. See, the fact that the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good, that should be motivation for God's people. It's like, We know that God is concerned, he cares about his own. It'd be like a child that delights in the fact that their father is watching them. I loved Jonathan Kindler's illustration about his son. Daddy, look, daddy, look, 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 look. He wants his dad to watch what he's doing. What is that? That's a secure father-child relationship. That's a child that's secure in his father's love. What ought to be the same for you and I? God, would you look at me? I want you to watch me, Abba, Father. Second Chronicles. 16.9 says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, the whole earth, to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him, and that's the key. 
So many of God's people do foolishly because we don't have a heart perfectly toward God. No wonder there is conflict warring in our life. So, for review, verse three, booger eating, the whole church said, yeah. Okay, verse four, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. A wholesome tongue, is here it is again, the tree of life in Proverbs. But perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Okay, so here's our contrast again of life-giving versus corrupting speech. Uh, sound like the bell for a fight just went off. Round three, or verse four. Okay, so again, tree of life. Okay, so let's just review. We've already seen in Proverbs that wisdom is a tree of life. In Proverbs three, verse uh, 18, she, wisdom, is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. But that fruit of wisdom, that fruit of the tree of life can be manifest in the life of any believer. Uh, 11.30 says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. So that fruit can be manifest in the life of the believer. And then here in 11.30 tells you how. Uh, You're a soul winner. He that winneth souls is wise. Why? Because the fruit of your lips, right? Pleasant words are coming out of your life. It's a wholesome tongue. And so, because you're preaching the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is uh, fruit bearing. Uh, The believer is promised, again, all this is review, the believer is promised the tree of life in Revelation 2.7. That is a promise to the churches in Revelation 2.7. But now here's what I want us to contrast. Okay, Genesis chapter three, think about this. Mankind technically has access to the tree of life. He hasn't partaken yet in Genesis three. But don't miss that it was a perverse tongue that cut off, right? It was the root cause of the loss of access to the tree of life in the beginning. Uh, Where Proverbs 15.4 says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Satan's perverse tongue, lying on God, uh, that's what caused man to lose access. And God declares as much in Genesis 3, verse 24, man now knows good and evil. He is in the sin, the rebellion of sin. And so lest he partake of the tree of life and live forever in his lost sinful condition, in Genesis 3, verses 20 through 24, God removes access to the tree of life. Okay, so it's a perverse tongue that that destroys access to the tree of life. Why is that? Well, James 3, 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Um, James 3, 6 says, it setteth on fire the course of nature and is set of, on fire of hell. Proverbs 12, 18 says, there is that, there is that speaketh like piercings of a sword. Uh, the tongue can kill. Uh, but then again, Proverbs 12, 18, we've seen this again, the tongue of the wise is health. The words of a tailbearer are as wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. You know, you can tell, you can talk trash on someone and it will wound them. Have you ever had somebody say something that really hurt, that really hurt you, like their words, cut, you feel it. Uh, when you recognize that your tongue is a sword and you actually really, really hurt someone, you feel it in, your, in your, the innermost parts of your belly. You know what I'm talking about or are you a psychopath? Right, you feel that in the, 
in your bowels. Like it, it hurts physically when you know that you used your mouth, mouth to destroy someone. Psalm 52, verse two, thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Um, you know, in, in Revelation 19, there's a sharp two-edged sword that comes out of Christ's mouth, isn't there? And with that, he destroys the enemy, uh, the armies of the Antichrist. Well, you know, for good or for bad, your tongue is a weapon. Man, I pray that we use it for the gospel. Verse three says, thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak truth, or to speak righteousness. Say, thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. Man, the tongue loves destruction. All right, section two, verses five through seven. Uh, the wise and the foolish, we're contrasting them. How do they listen and follow instruction? That's this next section. Verse five says, a fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth proof, reproof is prudent. And again, this is, we're, verses five through seven are uh, reinforcement. We've seen these principles already in the book of Proverbs. Uh, and we drilled down on this uh, in Proverbs chapter one, chapter 10, and chapter 12. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Uh, a foolish son, right, versus a wise son. A wise son maketh a glad father. The foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Why, he despises instruction. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise, 12, 15. A wise son heareth his father's instruction. Um, that's the converse of what we're seeing here in 15.5. But a scorner heareth not rebuke. Uh, so the reproof comes and, and the fool doesn't regard it. He doesn't hear it. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction. But he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. 13.18. And again, I just give this to you as a study. Uh, you can contrast the sons of David, Absalom and Solomon. And what's notable about Solomon, here's Absalom, he's grinding, an, he's got major daddy issues. He's grinding an ax against David and seeks to destroy him, take his kingdom. Solomon, in contrast, he listens to the reproof, the instruction of his father. And we need that as God's children. We need instruction and rebuke. Uh, we're gonna see this at the end of chapter 15. The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. Uh, that's where we wanna live. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. Chapter one, verse 23, turn you at my reproof. 1920, hear counsel, receive instruction. Paul told Timothy, or told Titus, told Titus in Titus chapters one and two, um, here's the truth, this witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharp, sharply, why? Why are, we, why are we giving reproof? Why are we giving rebuke? Well, so that they might be sound in faith. Uh, these things speak, chapter two, verse 15, here it is, that, here's the truth. So speak it, exhort, and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Uh, verse six, again, this is a verse that is now showing up again as reinforcement of these principles that we've seen already. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. So 15, 16, we'll see it again. This is just reinforcing. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. 16.8, better is a little with righteousness than great revenue without, revenues without right. Psalms 37.16, a little that a righteous man hath is better 
than the riches of many wicked. Man, isn't that the truth? Uh, here you got you know, people that are living poorly but righteously and, and they've got the joy of the Lord and, and there's more joy, there's more love, there's more laughter, there's more care in that poor home than in the home of a family that's filthy, stinky, stinking rich and they're miserable, they hate each other, they hate themselves and they're mad at God. Uh, it's a b- better as a little with righteousness. Ecclesiastes 4, 6, better is a handful with quietness. Why? why, why is this better? What do they have? Well, they've got the fruit of the Spirit manifest, love, joy, peace, that's all manifest in their life. They've got contentment in Christ. They've got a great hope, right? They believe the word of God over their life and those who love riches, the riches of this world, a life in this world, well, all of that's slated for loss and so they end up with loss and hurt. The great example is Moses in Hebrews chapter 11. The whole world, the whole civilized world was his and uh, he gave it all up to walk with God. Hebrews 11.26 says that he is, he's esteeming the approach, the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had recom- respect unto the recompense of the reward. He knew who he was and what he had in Christ and he chose that over being, I mean, ruling with the God of this world, the king, you know, Pharaoh, a type of antichrist. It was more important for him, his walk with Christ, than to be owner, ruler of the planet. James, um, James chapter five, his commentary on this is awesome. (laughs) Verses one through three. Again, this, This should be hardly memed, all right? I think it could be, but go to now. Ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. <laughs> like, what a, what a rebuke about esteeming the, treasure, the, treasure, the treasures of this world greater than reproach with Christ. You've heaped together tre- treasure together for the last days. Okay, verse seven, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. Again, the principle is it's because what is in you is what's gonna come out of you. That's always the principle. Whatever's on the inside, that's what's gonna be manifest. So how do the lips of the wise disperse knowledge? Psalm 119, verse 13, I declared all thy judgments. Psalm 37, verse 30, the righteous speaketh wisdom and his tongue talketh of judgment. Psalms 71, my mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and salvation all the day. Right, I'm gonna declare who you are and what you said. Jesus commands us to disperse his knowledge Matthew 10, 27, what I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what ye hear in the ear, that shall ye preach upon the housetops. What God shows you in his word, tell everyone. Mark 16, 15, the great commission, go into all the world and preach this truth, preach the gospel to every creature. And again, before we stop, think, is it to edifying? Ephesians 4, 29, we want to speak that which is good to the use of edifying. This is what Paul told Timothy. Uh, this is a, a theme verse for us, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Uh, what we learn, the things that we've heard among many faithful witnesses, the same. We wanna commit, right, to faithful men 
who shall be able to teach others also. So what, what we have learned, we wanna be good stewards to communicate. Uh, but the mouth of the foolish, right? That's the implication here. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but according to the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaketh, Matthew 12, 24. So it's the heart of the foolish that drives their mouth. The heart of the foolish doeth not so. They don't disperse knowledge. Remember uh, what we saw at the beginning uh, here in uh, uh, verse two. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Because out of the abundance of their heart, their mouth speaks. So uh, that's, that's uh, verse seven, verse seven, five through seven are reinforcement, right? We've, we've, we've tread this ground before, uh, but these are critical um, uh, concepts in a walk with God. And so the reason why they keep coming, it's because they're so critical, that's why they keep coming up. Repetition is the price of learning. God's like, please, you have to learn this, okay? So we're gonna just keep going over it until you're like, wait a minute, I've, I've already read this before. Oh, I've already seen this before. Good, all right? Okay, so in the minutes that we have left, in Proverbs chapter 15, seven verses, what was the one that, what was the one verse, the one principle that the Holy Spirit said, you, right here, I want you to pay attention to this. This needs to be applied to your heart and life. Can we just in prayer give that to the Lord? Yes, Lord. God, give me, give me insight. Give me discernment. Give me wisdom. Lord, I want to apply this to my life. Give me some Holy Ghost guts to just man up or woman up and live this. I know I've got, I know I got a conversation that I need to have or there's a conversation I've been wanting to have because sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so needs a piece of my mind and I just need to leave it with you. And like, how is the Holy Spirit dealing with your life? And let's just commit that to the Lord right now as we close out in prayer, amen? So you can do that by yourself or you can grab a prayer partner and uh, let's just have a short season of prayer and then on amen, you're dismissed, all right? I love you guys, thanks for, thanks for coming out. It's, uh, the church is still praying, praise the Lord.